session on uh, overcoming spiritual burnout. Uh, Melissa's sermon wraps up the series in our worship services this morning. If you've not been in 815 service, you'll want to hear that sermon. And uh, remind, uh, remind you of the theme and what we addressed last week. Uh, we, we sort of began with a, a working definition of burnout and the difference between burnout and stress. Stress is just feeling out of gas, just feeling out of energy. Uh, that's sort of a temporary onset sort of thing. Uh, burnout is not just a loss of energy, but a loss of vision and purpose. Uh, burnout has to do with a loss of hope and a sense of futility, which is uh, you know, much more serious, I think, spiritually and emotionally than just stress because we all experience the stress. And so we went from there and we explored some scripture and we did some activities around the table. So that's our theme and that's, that's uh, the direction we're going again today. And uh, I would invite us now to pause for prayer as we begin our, our time together. Lord, we want to thank you for uh, the grace that you give us to constantly and patiently teach us uh, more about following Jesus. And we confess that we get so wrapped up in ourselves and our tiny little agendas and our stuff uh, that we forget to look to you and we forget to trust in you. So daily teach us more about depending upon you and daily teach us more about the dark places in our own hearts that need to be healed with the light of Jesus. And we pray that you will truly be the teacher, your Holy Spirit moving among us this morning, guiding us into truth. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I would remind you that we are taping, doing audio tape of this session. It will be online. You'd also be able to purchase a, an inexpensive CD uh, there are some people who missed last week or some people who uh, would have to miss today, and uh, you might be uh, uh, encouraged to know that, and you can pass that word to someone else. And you might want to go back over it and kind of review after you'd had some time to ruminate on it. All right, uh, one of the things we're going to do today is uh, try to come to grips with some things in our own hearts and uh, in terms of our own workaholism, our own pride about uh, always being needed, trying to come to terms with our own stuff uh, in burnout as well as uh, creating boundaries so that other things can't come on us. But the questionnaire uh, has just a few questions, but you'll notice the first question is uh, that you are to uh, read through Elijah 1 through 12. Uh, not, I'm sorry, Elijah, um, you read through 1 Kings 19, 1 through 12 about Elijah. There's no such book as Elijah in the Bible. Good, you caught that. <laughs> Turn to the book of Hezekiah, and then there is the book of Baptist, First uh, Kings 19, uh, 1 through 12. Take a, take a moment and read through that, and then uh, answer these questions about self-righteous service versus true service, and put an E if one of those boxes on left or right apply to Elijah. Uh, and if one of those boxes on the right or left apply to you. Now, you understand, not every box has to have an E or an I uh, by it. It's only if it applies to Elijah. It's only if it applies to you. Uh, so take a few moments uh, on your own, read through 1 Kings 19, 1 through 12, and then uh, fill out the first question, uh, any of those boxes that pertain to you or Elijah, and then answer questions two and three on the back 
and I'll give you a few minutes to work on those and to read that text together, okay? Lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up, ate and drank, then he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of the hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence, or as the King James says, the still small voice. Okay, so what do we learn about Burnout, what does God offer Elijah uh, in the face of his burnout? What does God offer Elijah? Not just just at the end with the still small voice, but what are the other uh, markers that God is still providing for him and caring for him all the way through? Physical nourishment, you know, rest. Sometimes things look pretty bleak uh, when we're hungry and tired right? Uh, There are rumors around my family that I get grouchy when I'm hungry. Uh, There's no truth to those rumors, but uh, those rumors persist. Uh, And when we're tired at the end of the day or at the end of a long ordeal, our perspective, what happens to our perspective when we get physically tired or physically hungry or physically exhausted? What happens to our perspective? It gets skewed, doesn't it? We, we tend to awfulize our problems. We tend to be pretty dramatic about uh, horrible outcomes, and, and all of those things are very real. What else does God provide for him along the way before he gets to the cave? Safety. There's shelter. He doesn't have to care about, uh, worry about the, the basic needs of safety because it was not always a safe culture. So he's got a place of security. He's got nourishment. He's got rest, Uh, and then he comes to this cave, and there are all these dramatic shows of uh, God's, uh, what you might read as God's presence, you know, the earthquake, fire, wind, and God's not in those things, but God's in the sound of sheer silence. What do you think, what do you think the writer is trying to tell us? What do you think God was trying to say, Elijah, by coming to him, not in the dramatic and the big, but in the still silence? What was God trying to say to him, do you think? Listen. And how do you listen if you're always making noise, right? How do you listen if you're always talking? Oops. He's offering hope. He's extending something be- beyond what is, isn't he, Sam? And, but that can't be heard if we're always in motion, if we're always running or always trying to prove something to God or prove something to others or prove something to ourselves. And so silence has to happen before the awareness of God can come, uh, we sometimes think we have to be in perpetual motion and we have to keep doing in order for God to bless us or for God to speak to us. 
So what warning would we draw from this whole Elijah experience? If you were talking about negatives about burnout, things to watch for, mental note, this is what I should watch for as I deal with burnout in my own life based on Elijah's experience. What would be a warning? Busyness. Busyness is a danger. Make sure that the busyness has a focus and that there are built-in rests. What else? Pardon me? Wanting to be alone. That there, we need to balance the alone time and the group time, being with others who can encourage us and tell us the truth. Uh, there, there is value in being alone. Uh, we can't always be in the crowd, but we have to balance out that alone time and that group time. And for introverts, that's one kind of challenge. And for extroverts, that's the opposite kind of challenge. Extroverts need to have time to be still and to be by themselves to dis- build in that discipline. Introverts have to maybe exert more energy to be around others and to, to value that external input. Anything else warning-wise? When we find ourselves going negative. Ah, when we find ourselves going negative, and Marjorie didn't even finish the sentence because everybody here knows what she was going to say, right? When we find ourselves going negative, and, and how can we tell that we're going negative? Just listen to yourself talk. Listen to yourself. I'm the only one left. Isn't that what Elijah said? I'm the only one left in Israel who loves God. Nobody at First Baptist Church loves Jesus as much as I do. Nobody knows the trouble I sing. (laughs) Nobody knows but Jesus. And don't we sing that song? And the self-talk, you know, that going negative. And if if we don't do that, we go negative in other ways. You know, what are they doing down at the church? Or, you know, I know, right, right, right. So, my friend, they do all the time, way too, spend way too much time criticizing themselves. Yeah, we can go negative about ourselves too, can't we? I was going to say that sometimes we have a problem taking care of ourselves and letting the people around us. Right. We have to do our own thing. Yes. Good point. You know, what they, the oxygen mask on the airplane, you know, get your own oxygen mask affixed. You know, make sure when, how many times do we hear about, you know, somebody tries to rescue uh, someone who's drowning and gets in trouble themselves? You have to take care of yourself before you can be of help to others. So you have to keep that balance. There's no, there's no set certain way that, that is always right. You have to, you have to be willing to, to flex that. And we've talked about the negatives and the warnings, and the positives would be the flip of that, uh, finding nourishment in God, looking, looking for God's provision in surprising ways. You know, maybe Elijah didn't stop and think, this food is from God. You know, yeah, it came through a human being, but isn't God good that right when I was hurting so badly, God gave me food and a place to rest? Sometimes we're so focused on the problem, we don't realize it's God that's building in that, that rest time for me. Any other thoughts from the First uh, Kings uh, 19, the Elijah experience? We're going to talk more about his uh, self-pity in a moment, but... Um, Don? Be careful who you listen to. Be careful. Uh, the wind, the, right. all the dramatic things. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good point. Don says one of the lessons is be careful who you listen to. Be careful what you listen to. You expect to hear God in the wind, the earthquake, the fire, the big and the dramatic. And sometimes 
we experience spiritual burnout because we get addicted to the spectacular. You know, I need a fix. I need, a, I need an emotional high. Or I, I'm so desperate and I'm so burned out that I will believe the first thing I read or the first emotional experience that I have. So we have to... We, we have to acknowledge we're emotional creatures, but we don't want to turn Christianity into emotionalism to where whatever I feel I think is right, and that's why God gives us objective truth in Scripture uh, to sort of balance out and to check our emotions and the advice we might get. And uh, sometimes the big and spectacular is showy, and it, it's all tingly, but you know, it, God might be in the still small voice. Thank you, Don. That's a good point. All right, around your tables now, I would like for you to have, well, designate a leader. Uh, the, uh, just all start pointing at one person. That's the best way to vote. Uh, I see it happening. God bless you. Our church is a democracy. Okay, here's, here's your, uh, no, no fist fights now, no fist fights. Uh, here's your instruction. Discuss uh, around your table the answers to your questions, and don't go, you know, through... Uh, each one, each person, but try to hit on question number one and get several people's honest responses to where they marked an E and an I, and then uh, allow enough time, table leaders, that you'll get to question number two uh, and ask several people uh, about what they thought about Jackson's list and what might be added to that list. And if you are comfortable, talk about number three, what you might tell uh, leadership and organizations about your spiritual gifts or about burnout and those kinds of things. And you'll have about uh, 15 minutes. So leaders, pace yourselves through the three questions. But I want you to spend a little time on question number one because it has longer responses. Let's reconvene in our large group mode. Thank you for good discussion. I heard some good conversations going on around the table. Apologize if you didn't have time to talk about all the things you wanted to. Um, I'm not as interested in uh, how many placed E's and I's beside each of these blocks as I am just asking the table, what did your table learn from question number one about self-righteousness versus true service? Uh, Were there any ahas, any discoveries, or any pushback and disagreement uh, related to question number one at your table? Anybody? We talked about the ebb and flow of both sides of it. Sometimes you're over here. Right. Sometimes you're over here. And how that goes back and forth. Right. You know, where you are spiritually and what's going on in your life and the distractions and all yeah. those kinds of things. Sandra said that they discovered that there was an, a, an honest ebb and flow between the two sides, that nobody is ever purely one side or the other, that depending on what's going on in your life, the pressures, the stressors, uh, your walk with the Lord, all of those things. That's a very good observation because we tend to do everything binary. You know, either you're this or you're that, but we're all a mixture of both, as the Apostle Paul said in many different ways. Any other uh, discoveries uh, at your table around question number one? Yes, how Yeah, thanks for sharing that. How suddenly uh, our motives for Christian service or our attitude in Christian service can change. We can start out just fine and then something happens and we switch to maybe 
the selfish mode or uh, this is harder than I thought and I'm resenting it. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not always a gradual thing. Sometimes there's just a trigger and we realize after the fact, man, I started out great, but I blew that. Or it could be the other way. Maybe start out with a bad attitude and then the Lord sort of grabs you and it ends up being a really, really big blessing. Any other insights uh, from your table related to question number one? Uh, Mike? Could you have these labels instead of self-righteous service? Could you self-limitation versus God-empowering? Self-limitation and God-empowering. Mike asked, could we change the headings from, what was the first one? Self-limitation to God-empowering. I think that'd be good. And I was not, to be honest with you, totally comfortable with the naming of these two categories, but because I was copying it from a book and I'm citing the author, I thought I would, uh, I would just do that as is because I'm like you. Uh, I think those categories of self-limiting and God-empowering might open up uh, more conversation about it because people kind of bristle at self-righteous, uh, although they try to get at it. Good point. Good point. Uh, Gary? Most of us have the opportunity to do small stuff, and that's a daily uh, daily thing to do. We ought not wait around waiting to do the big stuff and avoid the small stuff. Okay. So their table talked about we're willing to usually do the daily stuff in front of us. We ought not wait around when there's a big thing to do, but to jump at it. Is that what you were saying? Reverse it. Okay. Got it. I, I heard you wrong. Okay. Sometimes we're waiting for the great big project, don't, and we miss all the little things. Yeah, heard you wrong. Uh, and and that's, that's true for all of us. We think, you know, God's got some big plan for my life, but usually God's will is right in front of us day by day and moment by moment. Yes, very, very true. And uh, the, thing that, the thing that I want us to get is that uh, selfishness and pride are always factors. We always have to deal with, with uh, the ego in Christian service. Uh, and that ego can trip us up uh, wanting to do something for praise, uh, burn out because we're too proud to ask for help, or uh, doing it at our own energy because we think no, we know better than God. There are lots of ways that pride can contribute to um, burnout. And we just have to be able to always name that and to be always able to be crucified with Christ so that his life can live through us so that the motives are purer all the time. In my morning uh, devotions this morning, I was in Galatians 5 and the message, listen to this phrase from Galatians 5 uh, about verse 17 in the message. There is a root of sinful, uh, there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit. There is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is always at odds with a free spirit, the spirit of freedom, the spirit of joy. And if you were in 815 service, the video was very carefully selected for this morning's worship and Bible study time because I thought the, the guy on the video, not the Charles Foster, that was a great one too, but the one, <laughs> that was really great. But the one right before the message, uh, it, it talks about that legalism that's always concerned about self-interest versus the freedom of grace of Jesus. And that's what Elijah was struggling with. I'm the only one left. It's all on my shoulders. 
you know, that kind of mentality as if it's all on his shoulders. Question number two, um, what did you find uh, from her list that was helpful or what other uh, things did your group add? What conversations did you have around your table related to uh, suggestions for avoiding or recovering from burnout? Jeannie? Uh, someone suggested that we might add uh, to be open to serving uh, as well as saying no, but sometimes to be open. One, one person gave an example of being asked to do something uh, in the church ministry that she didn't think was going to be her cup of tea. And it's turned out to be one of the most delightful things that she does. Mm-hmm. And a joyful thing for, for several reasons. But at first, she thought she did it sort of grudgingly or out of guilt or whatever. Right. To say yes, because she didn't anticipate it. Yeah. If you're not open to um, that, then mm-hmm. you might miss those very much. So that table said that while we always need permission to say no about places of Christian service because we talked last week about some burnout happens because we don't know how to say no, we also need to be open to the surprises of the Spirit that sometimes somebody sees a spiritual gift in us or sees potential and we might not know that God has gifted us in a particular area until we try it on for size. And so that's a very helpful discovery and we need to be open to those surprises. Yes, Celeste? Uh, well, one person at our table suggested lunch with Doyle would help. Lunch with Doyle. Uh, we went through uh, people like all of these at different times. They may all be needed. And uh, we did have a person suggest that as you go through life, your circumstances change, so you might need to focus on the, each one of these at different times. Great. Those are really good thoughts that there are seasons to life. Uh, And uh, if you haven't read Bill Hybel's book, Simplify, he has a great uh, chapter in there about uh, changing seasons. What works for you now might not work for you another time or what used to work doesn't work anymore. So be be sensitive to the seasons of your life. And that's a very good word. And not get locked into just one way of checking burnout and, and discovery. Other... Other dis- yes, Lori? Yeah. Yeah, we have to plan our time for those blocks that are family, uh, church, and Christian responsibility, job, personal time. And like budgeting money, it doesn't happen by accident. You have to get there first and make some plans. You don't want to become regimented, but actually uh, being busy uh, can be a blessing. Are you listening to me now? Because I'm sort of talking out of the other side of my mouth from last week. You know, we can burn out by saying yes too much, but being busy can actually help you to get more disciplined, Lori's table said, by planning. I read a great quote by the late composer Leonard Bernstein. Uh, I think I actually heard it uh, uh, on the radio listening to some classical music. Bernstein said, to achieve great things, you need a plan and not quite enough time. And his thought was that when we have too much time, it just sort of all fritters away. 
but when we have not quite enough time, we plan it carefully. So, see, you got some classical stuff today, too. We're, we're, we're a classy church. We talk about classical music and Leonard Bernstein. Yes, Betty? You may want to come and do it, but after this period of all the, the burnout and stuff, God uses Elijah and the Bible. Yes. He has him basically anoint the next two kings, and he has him to pick Elisha as another prophet to start mentoring us. Right. He with them in the table. Betty mentions the, their table talked about when light. Elijah got his second wind, when he got some breakthrough, uh, God used him mightily, anointing kings, plural, uh, actually anointing his successor, Elisha, so that there was a succession plan and the ministry went on. And God did great things through him because because he got his second wind, which tells us uh, that there are great blessings on the other side of burnout if we will just be sensitive and open to the Spirit that there are some new new things that can come for us. God isn't finished with us, even when we might experience the burnout. It's a good thought. And uh, question number three, uh, you know, we hope to read your comments. Don't want to talk about those now. Uh, but I, I want to call your attention to the last sheet, the five myths about keeping the Sabbath. Lynn Babb, uh, as you see, uh, is a Presbyterian pastor spent a lot of time uh, interviewing churches and church-going people about uh, burnout and about Sabbath-keeping, and she lists uh, for us five myths of uh, Sabbath-keeping, uh, and then she offers a correction, and I encourage you to, to tear this off and take it home. We need you to leave the questionnaire, but I would like very much for you... So all together now, one, two, three, rip. Uh, the uh, Rod would be happy to know that you cannot keep time. Uh, we, we tried but didn't make it. Um, notice with me, uh, there's a myth, number one, keeping Sabbath for 24 hours has to happen for it to make any difference, and uh, there's a correction to that myth. It doesn't have to be 24 hours to be intentional Sabbath, building in quiet space. Another myth, I can't afford the time to give up a whole day a week. Uh, studies have shown that People who work longer do not work as productively. Myth number three, I have, a, uh, have to stop all kinds of work and engage in spiritual activities in order to benefit from Sabbath. That's not true. Sabbath can involve walking, gardening, uh, laughing and spending time with children, sitting and looking out the window. On the flip side, myth five, older people can relate best to Sabbath. They grew up with it and understand it. Younger people have no interest in something so old-fashioned. The truth is that a lot of young adults are pushing back from overcrowded schedules, and they're saying, you know, we keep the other nine commandments. Why do we break this one? And then uh, praise people for working themselves to death. And myth number five, the, this is where I, I want us to focus because of the church connection. The most important way to avoid burnout in congregational volunteers is to thank them enthusiastically for what they've done. Uh, honestly, the most common burnout prevention technique uh, that uh, they discovered in the interviews was keeping Sabbath. That keeps people at their jobs in church better. Uh, the second most common idea for preventing burnout uh, was having congregational volunteers uh, transforming committees into communities and into building teams so that you're in relationships and you're doing things with people uh, with a sense of purpose and direction. Um, note the, the last paragraph. 
One of the greatest obstacles to Sabbath keeping is the notion that we have to do it perfectly in order to gain any benefit. And how many of us live there? We experience stress, overwork, and overload. Sabbath invites us to simply stop. This is an invitation that is a great gift. And the closing word here, people, is that we live in grace. We live in grace, not works. God loves us first, and then the work comes. We don't work in order to get God to love us. We don't work to get into God's favor and and blessing. And that's a lesson we never, ever uh, stop learning. I want to thank you for uh, time and attention, for uh, the blessings, the things I've learned. Please leave your questionnaires on the table. Equipping team and other volunteers will pick them up. You may take and please take the Sabbath material. And uh, we know you're going to be blessed from uh, this beginning conversation on spiritual burnout. Let's pray, shall we? Thank you, God, for... Uh, your instruction and challenges to us and for your comfort and promise. And thank you for the freedom of grace. Teach us to live in grace daily. Bless in the worship service that follows and in our week of service to you uh, ahead of us. We thank you, best of all, for the servant Jesus Christ who showed us how to do it and what it was all about. And he showed us most of all how to love you with our whole beings. And we pray through his name. Amen.